For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The Paley Center for Media in New York City hosted a film screening for Rolling Along, Senator Bill Bradley's one-man show about the 80-year-old's life, including a 10-year career in the NBA and three terms in the Senate ending in 1997. Then he spoke with Richard Stengel, who served as the senator's speechwriter on his 2000 presidential campaign and was an undersecretary of state in the Obama administration. Currently the co-chair of CARE and an MSNBC political analyst, Stengel also served as the editor of Time, CEO of the National Constitution Center, and an author collaborating on Nelson Mandela's autobiography. These Rhodes Scholars also played basketball at Princeton, 10 years apart. While they discussed pressing national and international issues, we'll focus on the film and storytelling about Bradley and others, which you can hear on SiriusXM American Voices with Senator Bill Bradley. Let's listen to the film's trailer. You begin by bouncing a ball. I was part of the greatest team, the greatest sport, and the greatest city in the world. The Busher, the Frazier, beautiful teamwork. We have a new NBA champion. New Yorkers like winners. Our team unity inspired them, and they showered us with love. It was the closest I ever came to feeling I belonged. Well, when I was first elected to the U.S. Senate, I was the youngest U.S. Senator. I was a naive 35-year-old that had to learn the job. My father always wanted me to be a gentleman. My mother always wanted me to be a success. And neither one wanted me to be a basketball player or a politician. <laughs> the most dramatic moment for me in the Senate came when an all-white California jury found four all-white LA police officers not guilty in the beating of an unarmed African-American man named Rodney King. So I was speaking and I spontaneously picked up a pin. I hit the podium 56 times in 81 seconds. The beautiful paradox of America is that we are many, that we are individual, but that we are one. After the loss, I didn't know what to do or where to go or how to find meaning. 
went from thinking of myself as the most powerful person in the world to being unemployed. What I love most now about this life is the chance to show kindness, the chance to give and receive forgiveness, and the anticipation of what each day will bring. I wanted to know America like I once knew the seams of a basketball. The film's origin story reminds me of Springsteen on Broadway's beginnings. While a White House performance in the final days of the Obama administration led the boss to the Great White Way, a Princeton reception to mark the acquisition of the Bill Bradley Papers took the senator to the stage. The event played out like an episode of This Is Your Life, narrated by Bradley. It reminded his friend, Broadway producer Manny Eisenberg, of Hal Holbrook's one-man show as Mark Twain. Bradley wrote and performed the show around the country, memorizing it during the pandemic by walking and talking through Central Park, and then presenting it in the Warner Brothers Commissary and every afternoon at 3.30 in the rec center of his apartment building. Along the way, he assembled a Hollywood A-list with director Mike Tolan and executive producers Spike Lee and Frank Oz. Before the film's Tribeca premiere, Van Morrison wouldn't grant rights to a song the producers planned to use. Springsteen's right-hand man, Stephen Van Sant, brought the boss's Summer on Signal Hill to the table. Bradley says the title of Morrison's tune meant more than the song itself. I wanted to please my mother. No. <laughs> uh, why did I do it? Um, well, you know, I look out at the country today, and as I say at the end, you know, there's such division in the country. And I really think there needs to be a healing and I realized after I got Summer at Signal Hill and got rid of Van Morrison, I liked the Van Morrison song, but what I really wanted was the title. And the healing has begun. And so my hope is that by being as honest as I tried to be, that I can at least begin a process for people to see that we can have healing in our country. And um, that's. That's what I did. With the Mississippi River rolling along the banks of his Crystal City, Missouri hometown, Bradley found his way through basketball, coining the phrase, A Sense of Where You Are, which became the title of John McPhee's New Yorker piece and book on Bradley's senior year at Princeton. Stengel says McPhee's book connected him to Bradley, who filled his own fast break lane in life. How many folks in the audience have read the John McPhee book, A Sense of Where You Are? Two. <laughs> have people read this week in The New Yorker, however many years later, uh, John has a piece about his 60-year friendship with Bill, which I really recommend reading. So um, I read A Sense of Where You Are when I was a junior in high school, and it changed my life. It began eventually our relationship. But one of the things that was new to me in watching Rolling Along is this sense of your feeling yourself as an outsider. Because I guess from a grand perspective, it's like, you know, an all-American, he was a Rhodes Scholar, he was a senator, there's no more insider than Bill Bradley. Where does that come from? And, and, and why do you want people to know that? Well, it came from 
Well, I want them to know that because I think a lot of people feel themselves. And me saying, well, I just think I understand what you're talking about. Um, and it came from me being you know, the banker's son in a town of factory workers, and therefore feeling I was not there, or being the evangelical at Princeton and being kind of laughed at. Um, and that sort of simply said, no, you're different. You're different. That didn't anger me. It did not uh, hurt me. It just made me say, oh, yeah, I see that I'm different. So I have to find a path that is my path. And that's what I tried to do. Stengel wonders whether Dollar Bill could play in 2023, and Bradley discusses today's game. Could the Bill Bradley of 1965 play in the NBA today? If I can pick my teammates, who will give me the ball exactly the time I want to get it. Yeah, I mean, could I play? I mean, the game has changed. You don't want to get me off down this road, please. <laughs> the game has changed in that, um, you know, I, I like to see more of a passing game, uh, like the Warriors play, like the Knicks have played a little bit. Um, and that's very important to me. And I think that's the most interesting kind of basketball. How much basketball do you watch? Not much. I'll go to uh, maybe four or five Nick games a year. Um, and I like this current team. I like the coach. And I hope they do well. Who was Bradley's toughest competition in the pros? A Celtics great. Who is the greatest player you've ever played against? <laughs> uh, my toughest opponent was John Havlicek. Uh, we always moved without the ball. We got the ball. He means gotten the ball if you had that much uh, space open. Um, but he was the toughest guy that I guarded. Bradley recalls the only sports legislation he passed in the Senate and ruse what's happened to it. The only sports bill that I ever passed when I was in the Senate was a bill that prohibited gambling on sports. <laughs> that was the law of the land until the Supreme Court two or three years ago. Uh, repealed it, essentially. And I believe that was a big mistake and that ultimately there will be the scandal and that the betting will take place not just on pro or college, but it'll be high school or wherever. Bradley isn't a fan of name, image, and likeness, or NIL, in college sports. He describes a brotherly bond with former Nick teammates Dave DeBusher and Willis Reed. I don't think these NILs, or what do you call them, are, are uh, helpful for the sport at all. I mean, you know, you play college sports, you play sports as part of your overall education. You want to excel and be the best you can. You don't want to do it simply because you're going to get some kind of ad. And um, that's what goes on these days. And this, it's a different world. People are out there now, they're all much more narrow in their appreciation for what the opportunity is in being a, uh, an athlete or professional. It's not simply the, the money, uh, but it's the kind of thing that I try to convey in this film. The love that you can feel for teammates when you've given all you have for them and you win.
and it's not like anything else. I mean, uh, I mean, do you think Dave's gone? Went to Willis's funeral uh, two years ago in Louisiana, and um, no, that was a very special time with a very special group of human beings who are brothers in the f fundamental sense of the word, not transactional partners arranged by management for. I mean, Dave did come as on a trade, but uh, the bond was the team. To me, that's that's not always the way it's done these days. Reed helped Bradley see race relations through the eyes of the Knicks captain and other black teammates. Beyond laws, Bradley says the answer is love. How hard it is to truly see human beings as human beings. Um, that's first. Second, have we made progress? Absolutely. Look at the civil rights laws. Look at the many different laws that we've passed. The problem still remains the human heart. And that's what I try to address here in this movie. I mean, you know, my teammates, we were talking about love. And that's what we need to talk more about, I think, when it comes to this issue. This will not be something that will be solved by bureaucratic means. It will be solved by the spirit, and that's what I was trying to say in the movie. Stengel and Bradley pivot from sports to politics when Bradley went back to the gym for votes, passing the Tax Reform Act of 1986 by a 97-3 margin. Mixing politics and basketball. I don't know if it's an apocryphal story, but um, I was told that when you were in the Senate, you never played basketball in the Senate gym or with anybody until the tax reform bill was on the floor, and you thought, hmm, maybe I should shoot a few You think these people guys. are really interested? <laughs> you know, we've gotten so many tax reform questions from people. <laughs> about that depreciable asset, you mean? About me? Uh, well, um, first of all, let me just correct you. The Senate does not have a gym. He said the Senate gym. <laughs> the gym, meaning a hoop and a court, is in the House of Representatives. And did I hang around the, the, the gym over there? No. And did I ever go over there? Yes. These were instrumental journeys. And I would get several votes of people that I needed on tax reform. And I got them. <laughs> I said a nice pick and you got a good shot. <laughs> The Tax Act met a similar fate as the gambling bill. Bradley says legislation ebbs and flows in a democracy, and his film attempts to forge a positive path forward. The act of doing it and succeeding was the high legislative point of my 18 years, right? But it also illustrates something that I always knew about legislation, and that is that it comes and goes. And the moment that passed, within the next year, people were trying to destroy it. The interests were trying to destroy it. And they succeeded after four or five years. So it says that there are very few things, Social Security being an example of one that, that has lasted, that really lasts in a democracy where people are either, they, they, they make a commitment to something, and if their commitment doesn't remain and they don't stay involved, 
and somebody else will come along and marshal forces that will change it. That's just the nature of what our politics is in this democracy. It's an attention to persistence and to um, a constant effort. And, you know, people, as a, when you're in a democracy, if you don't put the effort in yourself, then you're not going to, you're going to be part of the problem. And that's really where we are now in the country. I mean, we have a many levels of endangerment of our democracy, and it could be worse. And so what's going to happen in the next couple of years will really be determinative, I think, of the long term in this country. And so how does the film fit into this? <laughs> um, the film fits into this in the sense that if this is the going down this kind of path, this is a film to say there's another way. And it can be done differently. And these are the values and underlying human characteristics and stories that can move us in the direction of our highest aspirations instead of our deepest fears. Politics is personal to Bradley, who shares the advice he gave current Senator Cory Booker. Then he defines the four problems with politics and a possible solution. Part of me is the optimist, and it believes it's not as bad as it seems. And I think of uh, only this as an institution, like the Senate. Uh, I remember when Cory Booker went to the Senate the first time, he said, well, do you have any advice for me? And I said, get to know five Republican friends. Make them friends. And so he did. And there was an appropriations bill the money was to be begin funding the third tunnel under the Hudson River. And the deciding vote in that appropriations committee was a Republican from Mississippi named Roger Wicker, who Corey had befriended. So the point is, there are still these personal elements to it that are, uh, can be important. Uh, but what's happened was, if you ask either Republicans or Democrats, they'll say, too much money in politics, too many extremes in both parties, um, too much negative campaigning, and big media doesn't let us hear each other. And um, so I think you have to address those four things. And I think there are things that you could do to do that to be somewhat radical. I mean, you know, when I left the Senate, I was referring primarily to money and politics and the need for campaign finance reform. But now there's even more that I think is really important. Um, the latest thing that occurs to me is if both Republicans and Democrats say those four things are wrong. So you have to have something that addresses those four things. And um, I was thinking, uh, talking with a few people, that, you know, Every congressional district has 750,000 people in it, right? That's a lot of people to reach, right? But what if we broke each of those districts into 100 smaller districts of 7,500 people? And you would elect, you would nominate or elect the uh, person in that 7,500-person district. And then a week or two after the election, 
the hundred would convene and select from that group the person who would be the congressperson. Uh, that might, that's something that at the moment is what I'm grabbing onto for a little hope as we look out at this terrible environment that we're in now. Um, so I prefer to think about what's positive as opposed to what's negative. That's a little like how senators were elected in 1789. <clears throat> no, it would be an indirect election, but it wouldn't be indirect because people would have a chance to elect the person who was going to elect them. Bradley appeals to the better angels of our nature, as Abraham Lincoln said in his first inaugural address, for the future state of politics, chiding leaders who hold power for the sake of holding it. Anybody out there, whether they're conservative or liberal, is a parent. Everybody out there knows what's right and what's wrong. And as long as you appeal to people's higher instincts and higher values, I think you stand a better chance of being transformative. And if you don't want to be transformed, why are you in politics if you don't want to be transformed? It's just holding power, that gets boring after a while. But if it's to transform, you have to be able to appeal to people, to have them do things that they would never have done had you not been the leader inspiring them to do it. Bradley lays out the rolling along distribution plan and his hopes for the film as a force for good. And I hope that we'll have this distributed on Curiosity Street, which is a significant streamer, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then after about eight or ten months, I hope we'll do the on uh, YouTube, where we will be with the, with the Bradley channel. And uh, so hopefully this will have a life, um, because people will have seen themselves in the, in the film. And that's my hope. This is not just about me that people see themselves in the film and recognize that there's a, it's not a hero's journey, but a human journey. That is really what it's about. And um, that more people will see it. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your episodes, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on X at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.